make this a little closer. You, it's beautiful. It's, it's okay the way it is. Yeah, All right. It's perfect. Okay. All right. Um, okay. Well, welcome. I, I am calling you Lana. Yeah. And know you as Shakta. Yeah. That's all fine. <laughs> Holding all of it. And yeah. I'm so grateful to have this conversation today. You have made such an impact on so many lives for so many years. Well, thank you for that. <laughs> I just want to pause and bask and savor you for a minute. <laughs> your dedication to healing and wholeness for all ages and what a light you have been in the world and continue to be, continue to Thank be. You. So we're friends on Facebook. And um, one of the things I noticed this year was a name shift or a name evolution. And I was going through that process myself. Um, Pleasance is my given birth name. It's not a spiritual name. I mean, or it totally is a spiritual name, depending on how you look at birth names. Um, but I'm in a uh, Hebrew priestess training program for Jewish leadership and clergy, female, um, feminine Jewish leadership and clergy. And we are invited to expand our definition of naming. So I've been in this naming process and exploration. So when I saw you write and talk about changing your name, I said, oh, that's so beautiful. I wanna talk about that. And then really was thinking a little bit deeper about some of the stuff that's come out about the lineages that we have loved uh, in different ways and the shifts and changes. And I so deeply respect your work and activism in the world. So that's why I wanted to invite you on today to talk about all of those things. <laughs> Thank you. Well, I guess so where we do you want to start? start? We could yeah. start with the personal transformation. Yes. I, I think that this, the theme that I thought of when I thought about talking with you today, and thank you so much for inviting me. Yeah. It's really special, um, is transformation because every piece of the theme of every piece that I can think of is transformation. And my personal transformation um, also has to do with the name change. So I guess that's a good place to start. Yeah. Um, so um, I had a name as a child that I had until I was 26 or 27. And I became very deeply involved in the Kundalini community. And when I say deeply involved, like it wasn't, like just taking yoga classes. It was, you lived the life. You lived in ashram. You lived in community. You, you slept, ate, and breathed yoga, yoga teachings uh, all the time. So um, we were encouraged in that time to make the name change legal. So the way that worked in the Kundalini is, if you take the highest Sikh vows, you take the name Khalsa. So my name was Kalsa before I married my husband and his name was Kalsa too. <laughs> so we didn't take each other's names. We already each had those names. <laughs> and then the middle name was Kar and in the Sikh path, which is woven into the Kundalini community, mm -hmm. the Sikh path Kar and Kalsa, Kalsa is the highest Sikh vows. Kar means it denotes a fem female. Mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, the men have Singh, S-I-N-G-H. Mm-hmm. So then the first name is like your personal name. And it has to do with your destiny, what you're here to do. And that name was given by Yogi Bhajan, who I met him personally, because in those days you would meet with him personally. After some decades, you just got your name like through an email or through. But he still, while when he was alive, he would intuit what your spiritual name was. And he gave me the name Shakta. And Shakta is a unusual version of Shakti. So when I first got it, I was a little insecure about it because all these people who knew more about the path than me would say like, oh, are you sure it's not Shakti? And I'm like, no, look, at he wrote it. You know, it's right here, you know. And then I found out that it was sort of the um, masculine version of Shakti, but it was still Shakti. So it was a feminine divine creative energy, but with this masculine sort of, I thought of projection. Mm-hmm. It even sounds different, Shakta, Shakti. They sound pretty different from each other in the way that they sound. So anyway, I got used to my name and I started to actually like it. And then I started to live it. What I felt was um, growing up, I was a um, a pretty daydreamy child. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was very philosophical. I thought a lot. I thought about deep things. I didn't usually express that to my family very much, but mm-hmm. I thought about deep things. And then um, I got this name, and then in the path of Kundalini Yoga, being a doer is very important. Like you didn't just meditate all day. You cooked, you catered things, you worked in natural foods, you um, taught a lot of yoga classes, you were up at four o'clock in the morning until like nine o'clock or 10 o'clock at night when you would just fall into bed, you know, exhausted. (laughs) So it was a very much of a doer path. And Yogi Bhajan's themes were like to be, um, to be assertive, I think. I think that that was part of the thing. Be strong, be assertive. And I picked up on that little by little over the years that I was strongly in that path, which was about 27 years of being very strongly in that path. And um, I started to also follow in the 80s um, the Abraham work, which was about like follow your bliss follow what makes you happy. And I put those two together. And to me, it was like, well, children make me happy. So I'm going to be around children. And then it was yoga makes me happy. So I'm going to bring yoga to children. <laughs> so it's kind of like another part of my evolution. I think that the, the I know for sure that the main thing about children was um, I opened my eyes to children and saw that they were already like these amazing little gurus. So why don't we just help them stay that way? Why do we have to lose this as we grow older? Why do we have to be so influenced by adults who have totally forgotten who they are? You know, so that, that was like my, my, I I don't like to call it a mission. It sounds too religious, but it was my um, path. That was my path for all these years. And I would say that that's still my path. But um, what happened was that Abraham work came in and that expanded me in a certain way. And then another channel teacher named Bashar Mm -hmm. also was very um, powerful change for me in the 80s. And then I sort of put it away in the 90s. I had a child. 
um, my husband and I wanted to have a child for 14 years of marriage and nothing happened, but we did get to raise two other children each for three years. And that, that plus the fact that I had a Montessori school in Baltimore, yeah. I had that for like six or eight years, uh, that could put me in the realm of children a lot. And there was always yeah. children in the ashram and I was an, um, a very uh, much called upon auntie in the ashram. Mm. So I was around children all the time, but it was a big heartache for me that I was not able to have children. Um, I, I did not even have a miscarriage. I had, there was a big zero. We even had, like I had some surgery to a tuboplasty because maybe the fallopian tubes weren't catching the egg, etc. But they told me that my most, um, the best chances for that happening would be in the next two years after having it, still nothing happened. Mm -hmm. And then at, at this one point, I think it was 1990, um, my husband, who's very even-tempered, very um, peaceful guy, I remember he, I was crying because I got my period. <laughs> and he, um, he just like, he was holding some keys in his hand and he just threw them across the room, which was completely out of character for him. And he goes like, damn it, we're not going to live like this. And he wrote this letter to Yogi Bhajan. And I don't want to say that Yogi Bhajan did anything. I just want to say that that was part of our process, was writing yeah. to Yogi Bhajan okay. and saying, you know, we just deeply want to have a child and we would appreciate some kind of help. Uh, it's just not happening. And um, it wasn't like I didn't talk with him about this before, because in those days you could meet with Yogi Bhajan. He wasn't, he was somewhat available, let's say, when he yeah. would come to visit different uh, ashrams and things, or you'd go to see him somewhere. So the way this story went was that um, in a month, we got a, you know, I don't I remember, I think a month, we got a message from one of his secretaries that said, uh, he wants you to come to Los Angeles. So, I thought, oh, gosh, I don't want to go to Los Angeles, but okay, I'll do it because this is the most important thing to me right now, and I'll, I'll just mm -hmm. do it. So I got there, and he goes to me, you go see Dr. Saram, who is this pretty well-known um, 3HO Kundalini Yoga doctor. He's, he's on Dr. Oz sometimes and mm -hmm. things like that. Okay. He wanted me to go see him, and... Um, it took me two weeks to get an appointment. So I was staying in Los Angeles. Well, within those two weeks, I missed my period and I started to feel sick. But my brain was so conditioned to not want to hope anything that it just went like, oh, it's a smog. It's, yeah. you know, it's travel. not what you think. You yeah. know, it's a travel. It's a smog. It's not, you know. But when I did go in for my infertility appointment, I said, I, I'm here for infertility, but I think you should also give me a pregnancy test. You know, and then they mm -hmm. did. And I just remember when I got the call, I was so nervous. Mm -hmm. So like, I just mm -hmm. so much didn't want to be disappointed. And I, I was so conflicted inside, like wanting to hope and then not wanting to be disappointed. And the interesting thing was that because I, med I meditated a lot over the years, I could tell what my brain was mm -hmm. doing. I was self-aware enough. Mm -hmm. And that so I get this phone call and they say, congratulations, you're pregnant. And my brain literally sputtered. My brain did not know what to do. My brain went like, but, but you mean, you mean like, I don't need to want that anymore? 
You mean I, mm. I don't need, I don't need to keep going in this direction anymore, you know, because it had such a habit of whatever, 12, 13 years of, of just being on this track. It didn't actually really know what to do when that happened. So then I called my husband because he wasn't there with me. And we both just, uh, we just cried because, you know, and I was 40 at the time, you know, my husband's 45. And, um, you know, it was just such a special thing, such a really special thing. And then um, I remember going to Yogi Bhajan and kind of, he had heard and, and I was, I had my palms together and he just goes like, no, I didn't do anything. And don't say I did anything you give this to Guru Ramdas because for him, Guru Ramdas was like his guidance. And, um, and I think he didn't want a whole bunch of women coming <laughs> up and <laughs> begging him, you know? <laughs> so, so he, you know, that was the, his response to that. And I, I feel like now when I look back on it, I feel like everything, the timing was just right. I don't understand why it was the way it was. Perhaps even the soul who, who came to us, mm. Ramdas, Perhaps he needed that time. Perhaps mm -hmm. he needed to be born in 1991. I mean, I have no idea what yeah. the whole bigger picture is of this. Yeah. Uh, so that that was the way that mm -hmm. that happened. And then we thought, well, oh, maybe we can have more children. But then again, big zero. So it was just like, there it was the one time. And uh, mm -hmm. it was it was very, very good. And um, during that time period, which was the 90s, I that's where, where I started really focusing on children's yoga in the world. And I wrote, um, my son was pretty young and I didn't mm -hmm. want to work full time, but I thought that, okay, well, at least I can, um, I can teach yoga, you yeah. know, to kids. So I went yeah. to this Montessori school or that one. And, uh, you know, I, I got a lot of experience just being the traveling yoga teacher at yeah. that time. And then people said, well, why don't you write a book? And I wrote the, the uh, Fly Like a Butterfly book. Isn't he in yeah. Fly Like a Butterfly? He's, the yeah, pictures he's of him. I remember that. I know. Yeah, he's not, fly and, uh, like you know, a he butterfly. Was, fly yeah. like a butterfly. <laughs> he's one of the kids in there. Yeah, yeah because he did that. yoga since he was born, you know. Know? Yeah. And, uh, and so that was, that was really fun. And even like the publisher, I said, they said, Oh, we want this picture on the cover where he was like doing frog jumps. And he was like, yeah. really in a freedom's pose of jumping yeah. up in the air and looking so good. And I said, well, are you sure you don't want one of the kids without turbans, you know, and they go, yeah. no, no, we want this picture on the cover. You know, so I thought, well, that's interesting. Yeah, so all this yeah. time I was really, I, you know, in the identity of the Sikh path with the yeah. white turban, with the yeah. whole white clothing, with the uncut hair, with mm -hmm. all the things that are part of the Sikh path mm -hmm. um, and 3HO Yogi Bhajan say teachings, right? Mm -hmm. And there's a, you know, it's a, a big mix up there of like, what's Sikh, what's Yogi Bhajan, he kind of he kind of put everything together in a way that was okay for me for quite a long time and still is okay for a lot of people. So um, what happened in the um, late nineties is that, um, in, uh, is that I start traveling and teaching radiant mm -hmm. child yoga. I developed mm -hmm. that and, and mm -hmm. I was teaching it. So that, that got me traveling around. And what that did was, it took me out of the isolation of the mm. ashram living <clears throat> and it, it, it let me see like, Oh, everybody is 
got this amazing consciousness and I could appreciate so many mm. things about everyone. And I think the Abraham work really helped me with that because it's a lot about finding something to appreciate and to yeah. just being in that yeah. kind of space yeah. and, uh, and just seeing mm. the gifts that everything in life mm. gives you mm. and seeing the gifts that other people have. So as part of that, um, I kept traveling. And then around 2003, some of my students said to me, we want to do what you do. Can you train us to be trainers for your program? And that was a big deal for me because I didn't want to like, like Patanjali codified, right? Yeah. But I didn't want to codify this work. I, yeah. I wanted it to, to be pretty free moving, but at the same time, it did have certain essential things in it. So I found a balance with that. And then I had to go through my own um, attachment mm. to it. Like, oh, my trainers don't train teach yeah. me. Oh, and I'm a Virgo with lots yeah. of planets in Virgo. Virgos were very like, things have to be just so. Okay. So I've been working with that my whole life. <laughs> but in mm -hmm. Vedic, I'm Leo. So I think I, I got a lot of Leo too. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so anyway, that started a whole new uh, phase of Radiant Child. Mm -hmm. And as part of that in the, in the new millennium, um, I got more deeply into Eckhart Tolle work. I, mm -hmm. I picked up this book, The Power of Now, when it first came out and nobody... Mm -hmm had heard mm -hmm. of it. I just made a beeline for it in the mm -hmm. store. When mm -hmm. I went to Barnes and Noble, I was like, oh my gosh, that's my book. And I just, I just took it to heart that plus um, Krishnamurti's work, which mm -hmm. is a really basically like you're, you're not this identity you think you mm -hmm. are. You're, mm -hmm. you're just energy. You're just mm -hmm. a flow of, of energy. Mm -hmm. And I got into that very deeply. And then one more book really, um, helped me so much, which is a very little known book called uh, The Anatomy of Miracles. Mm. And this book was by um, somebody in the, the path, Subhag Khalsa. Mm -hmm. uh, and he was writing it about the healing work that can be done, uh, which is called Satnam Rasayan. It's part of Kundalini Yoga, mm -hmm. which is you do you put your place your hand on someone and then you you notice sensations as they arise and you do get to a place of completely no one there and that's mm. when the healing happens mm. so i wasn't interested in doing healing work on people that's never been my path i'm, I'm really an educator mm -hmm. and um i i've never been attracted to doing hands-on healing work mm -hmm. but i did use this book for my own purpose to become present to myself in every moment and i worked with that very very deeply mm. and then i work very deeply with the bashar work as well which is a it's an extraterrestrial energy. That's the way they identify mm -hmm. as, but basically it's just all this universal wisdom coming mm -hmm. through mm -hmm. um, a person named Daryl Anka. So it's a lot like the Abraham work mm -hmm. as well. And you can take it or leave it with the, um, the other parts, but mostly the, the, the parts about the, um, how to really completely notice what your mind is doing and mm -hmm. then, work with that has been 
the the key to everything and the key to the big changes where I did change from being part of the the Kundalini path exclusively and have that as my identity. And I, I believe that that took about eight years. So from about 2001 to 2008, mm. I was experimenting. I, I started cutting my hair just like the split ends like that much off. And it was like, you can't believe how hard that is if yeah. you have been in a path yeah. in which hair is like your sacred energy and you never mm. you know but you always wear it up and you always cover it and some parts of that aren't very healthy for your hair either yeah. so you know there were I, yeah. I have friends who were kind of getting bald spots from that tight place of tying right here yeah. so there's a lot of different ways to look at all of this and um at the point where I felt that the outward form was going to change, which is around 2007 or eight, I had a conversation with my husband because we were very on track with all the stuff, Abraham, Shar, yeah. the present moment awareness work, the Eckhart Tolle work. We were on board with all of that, but he was not on board so much with the part where I would sometimes criticize Yogi Bhajan or criticize mm this mindset of going along like sheep to about things you know i had a you know sometimes i can't keep my big mouth shut okay let's just say <laughs> so there were times good when, <laughs> i know let's but, just say good <laughs> thank know, god there are, there's time and place for some of yeah. us right yeah. <laughs> especially with him okay yeah. so around 2008 i told him i was going to change the outward form Okay. And I was going to cut my hair because the hair was like, I have mm -hmm. very lightweight, fluffy hair that's wavy and does its own thing. Mm -hmm. It doesn't do very well when it's really long. It has pon ponytail that big, right? Because it's not a lot of hair mm -hmm. and it's, it's mm -hmm. like I said, really wavy and does its own thing. So I knew what looked good on me and it was layered hair. And I'm like, that's what I'm going to do, folks. <laughs> and what do you say? He was pretty upset and we had to work mm. with that. I mean, even though I had changed and changed, mm. by the time I got to like putting on turban out of obligation, that didn't have integrity for me. Mm -hmm. And when I got to that point where it didn't have integrity, I just knew, okay, this boat is going to rock. I hope it doesn't tip over. Yeah. I don't know, you know, because that has happened many times within this path where people got divorced because one of them left the Dharma. That's the yeah. term, left the Dharma. Right. So anyway, and I, I had heard things about Yogi Bhajan, too, and so did he. But we didn't know for sure. I mean, we kind of knew, but we didn't certainly know the extent. We only knew like, oh, maybe he had sex with his secretaries. Maybe, you know, a lot of people were wondering. But uh, anyway, that was that time period. And then finally, my husband is a deep meditator and he goes, all right, all right give me some time. And I just had to allow him like, I, I got this guidance to, to just be receptive to him and just have a soft silence around him and not push him. Because that's, mm. that's the part that mm. really doesn't go well in our relationship is mm -hmm. I tend to uh, get very excited or about something. And mm -hmm. that's and it. Yeah, I'll, I'll be too pushy with him. Yeah, and, yeah. He's not that type and it doesn't work well mm -hmm. with him. And he just retreats when I do that. So yeah. 
so in this case, um, I tried my best with it. And I do remember a couple of things that were outstanding in our conversations during that time. It, it was about three or four months of him pretty much being in his cave. And then every once in a while, we'd just hang out together. We might even lie together on the bed and mm -hmm. talk and things like that. There were two things that I remember saying, and this, this really came out of the Abraham work too. And, and that was, the first one was, to see it in a positive way. What what are we learning here? What how can mm -hmm. we mm -hmm. how can we view this differently? And I remember saying to him, this gives us the opportunity to see what our marriage is based on. This gives us the opportunity to see if our mm -hmm. marriage is just based on this dharma because we met on the path. He was already on it and then I came in and that's all we ever knew. I said, this gives us the opportunity yeah. to see, is our marriage based on a dharma or is our marriage based on love, the love we have for each other? Yeah. And that gave us something to meditate on. We didn't try to answer it right then. Beautiful. And yeah. it was a really very astute time period where he was in his space, I was in my space, and we were moving through our stuff like separately, but then we'd come back together and talk a little bit. Yeah. And then the second thing that I remember saying was, and this was further on the line too, maybe closer to the time where those three or four months were up. I said, and this is what I call the positive what if, and this is something I teach in a course called Happily Ever Now. And this one is definitely from the Abraham work, which is instead of like a lot of times we think of, oh gosh, what if... What if I get coronavirus? Yeah. What if, yeah. Uh, you know, what if a tree falls on my house? I don't know. It's like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, it's that, yeah. but there's a positive what if. And so yeah. Yeah. what if, and this was like, Love that. what if, what if mm. you can be you and mm -hmm. I can be mm -hmm. me mm. and we can find our love together? Mm. What, what if, you know, and that, and yeah. what that does for me is it takes me to that new place. Yeah. You know, it takes me to that vision. And I could feel that he felt it too. You know, what if you could be you and I could be me and yeah. we could find our, I said, I want to learn that. That to me is unconditional love. I, you don't have to be anything for me. I don't have to be anything for you. Mm. And, um, and we've been working on that ever since. So it's not an easy thing. It's not, but it gets mm. easier as we practice it. So what happened at the end of that time period is we are lying on the bed together. And he just said to me, So I, I'm ready. I'm ready. He said, uh, those weren't his exact words. His words were like, I can't quite remember them right this moment, but it was, it was to the effect is like, I'm I hear you. This. Yeah. I'm good with this. And I said to him, do you want to talk about it? And he goes, yeah. no, I worked it out. I'm good yeah. with it. And then he and I went to this spa, like about three weeks later, I still waited. I still waited because I just wasn't sure still. I just wanted it to really be. And our son was okay with all of it. He he already could see through all of this stuff. Through all this. How old was he at this time? He was, I think, 17. Oh, okay. So yeah. yeah. So he was smelling they're yeah. they're good. They and yeah, he, he already it. he's yeah. like why are you doing he, that? He <laughs> already could see through all yeah. this, yeah. this Dharma yeah. stuff. And that yeah. by then yeah. he was like, yeah. he's always been that way. Yeah. And the only thing he once said to me though, was, 
can't you just like wear the turban anyway? And I knew that why he was saying that is he didn't want me and his father to break up. Yeah. He didn't care about yeah. the turban. Yeah. He just didn't want yeah. all this discord yeah. and yeah. all that. Yeah. But then I mm -hmm. could tell he was going like, you know, I'm going to cut my hair too. So you go ahead, you know, yeah. <laughs> that's sort of where he was at. So then we went to this spa, this, uh, this place that's, of course, it's not open now, but it is great Korean spa. That's spa one Spaville. Yeah, no, yeah. What's it called? yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, I love that place. I love that place. Yeah, and we're there, and we're just having a good time. And then upstairs, they have a beauty salon, right? Yeah. And and there's all these pictures of different haircuts. And he goes to me, "How do you want? Which one do you want? Mm. You know, how do you want to get your haircut like?" And I knew he was saying, "Okay, I'm all right." Yeah. You, you go ahead now. It's uh, I'm okay. I'm okay with it. And then when I got my hair cut, it was about to hear. And then I came in the door and my son just bless his heart. He goes like, oh, mama's home. Papa, Papa, look, at, look, she doesn't look that different. Do you think? Yeah, yeah. I don't think yeah, she looks He's trying to keep you connected and together. <laughs> Mm, sweetie. You, you can't believe how much energy yeah. there is around hair. Uh, oh, <laughs> in yeah. In this path. Yeah. So anyway, it keeps getting shorter and shorter, yeah. but okay. And then, uh, you know, I just let it go to its oh, whole natural. I love it. It does yeah. its own thing. You know? Yeah. So that's about the hair. And then, oh, man. then I sent a message to all our friends in our community here in yeah. London. And I let them know. And most of the ones that were really close with me, they're all were totally fine. And, and then some of the ones that weren't, they just didn't say anything. They just like yeah. left it alone, you know? Yeah. So I went through years of a little bit in one world, a little bit in the other world, but um, I felt so much freedom. And I think that I'm, I'm a, you know, people are different. One thing that I've noticed about people is they have, and I be, might be, be too simplistic here, but there are people who seem like they're more security seekers. And so they will, mm. they will look for ways that yeah. gives them security. But I've always been a freedom seeker. And I, I I'm like a person who Ugh. really, I, I really hate to be like fenced in. And yeah. uh, that, that's harder for me than mm. the security issue. Like I will, I will let go of security because I'm a, because I need freedom. And, but also mm -hmm. I have a lot of security in my life. I have a security type guy in my, my, my guy right. is security oriented. Right. 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 So in a way that allows me yeah. more yeah. of th that ability, but I yeah. think I also help him to be more freedom yeah. seeking, yeah. you know, so kind of, we, we go back and forth a little bit that way. So he's wow. grown and changed so much from me changing. Okay. And then what, and so that like we've been living our lives and being more aware of when like I get too critical of him, like, oh, you're brainwashed, blah, 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 blah. Or he gets critical of me about something like he, at first he was like, um, I could tell he was like having a hard time with my hair. And I said, what, what, what is it? What's going on? And he goes like, well, you just remind me of like your old hippie days, you know, when you had all that. <laughs> and I'm like, and instead of getting angry, it was, it was good that he was felt that he could be um, honest with me. Yeah. And I would have a tendency to get a little angry because I run that way rather yeah. than sadness. I run toward anger, but um Instead, I knew what he meant. And I said, I, I know, I said, just give me some time because I haven't had my hair for so yeah. long. I don't know what to do with it. 
you know, I don't exactly know how to take care of it. And, you know, yeah. then I learned about like hot rollers and <laughs> stuff like that, you know, <laughs> anyway, it's been a journey. <laughs> oh, so is he still in it? So where are you now with, well, where we are now is, um, so I, especially I, with everything that came out. So people who yeah. are listening may not, some uh, people who listen are not part they of they a Kundalini path. Yeah. So without being too like attacky or personal, like just what's the big right. picture of what's been going on. All right. So um, I was moving away from this path in, mm -hmm. in the sense of like the different belief systems that it yeah. had. And so has he been doing okay. that and really questioning them. Well, is that absolutely true? Do I, you know, Byron Katie's work. Can yeah. I actually absolutely yeah. know this is yeah. true. Where yeah. would I be without that thought? that kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, and then um, I made friends on Facebook with Pamela Dyson, who mm -hmm. used to be Premka. And when when she was Premka, yeah. I was a little peon in the in the ashram. And she was the whole she was almost as important as Yogi Bhajan himself. Yeah. So yeah. she came to our Baltimore ashram. Everything she was treated that way, right? Yeah. So that's all yeah. I knew of her. And then yeah. I knew she left a path. I didn't know anything about it. And then her and I became friends. And I started to be part of a group of people who were uh, used to be in 3HO. And we would have some Zoom calls. So I got to know her better. And then she mentioned her book was coming out last January. Mm -hmm. So when the book came out, I got yeah. it like the first day was available. Um, I read the entire thing. And not only did I not know most of the stuff that was in that book, which was about having sex with the secretaries yeah. and things, yeah. Yeah. but I also did recognize the manipulative behavior. And I was, I was heartened actually to see that someone was was seeing this and calling it out. It was, it was actually very heartening to me, but much of it was, you know, I think my, for my mind, I could feel my mind was very confused. Like mm -hmm. it was turning everything topsy turvy. I think I read it twice, right? Want back to back. Mm -hmm. And then what happened was that that sparked um, a, a, a Facebook page. Yeah. And in the Facebook page, uh, people, other women started coming forward because they felt they yeah. took courage from yeah. Pamela's book and yeah. they start coming forward. And the things that they came out with were much even worse than yeah. what was in the book yeah. and one of the people in there was my savadar and i'll tell you what that means it means someone who serves for a capacity when i when uh the 40 days after my son was born in this path there's a 40 day mm -hmm. savadar mm -hmm. and one of them was a young woman who wrote her story about what happened with yogi bhajan and so i knew her personally and when i saw that i knew there was no way she was lying. Yeah. I knew that that was true, yeah. that this experience she had with him. And plus, even the way she described it, his mannerisms that I could, I knew that that's exactly how he would talk and exactly how it would look because I knew him well enough for that. So that started a really big uh, volcanic eruption within this path. And I'm very glad and thankful that there was this AOB report um, and the report itself was extremely difficult to read. It was beyond anything that I could have ever imagined 
-hmm. like in reading it, you just felt like so dirty and disgusted. It yeah. was it was yeah. horrible. And it was all perpetrated mostly on younger women who just yeah. wanted uh, to be part of this with sometimes older women knowing about all of this happening. So it's been really something. Now, I've, I've already been not really part of this path mm -hmm. for a long time. And so I had, a, I'm in a, in a different category than people who were just rudely yeah. woken yeah. up by this, yeah. this, this whole thing happening. And um, so there are some people even within the group here in Herndon, who just refusing to believe it. And then there's a lot of people who really know that this is this is accurate and this happened and um and so there's just a little bit more of this for me which is um mm. i had to look at how this affected my work my radiant child work because it's based in kundalini yoga even yeah. though because yeah. of all the trainers there's so much influence yeah. of other types of yoga in <laughs> yeah. it now yeah. which is wonderful yeah uh, kundalini yoga is very uh insular you yeah. know, it's sort of like it's it's we not really paying attention to what other yogis are doing anywhere. Yeah. It's, it's very much like its own thing, which mm. does have its advantages and disadvantages. Yeah. So anyway, then the next thing that that happened with that is that. Um, mm. So when the book came out and when I even read some of the things on these Facebook pages, I thought, OK, I don't understand this. This is a huge paradox. This person has all this genius and talent and amazing gifts to share with his teachings and he's this awful person and he's this horrible sexual predator right. deviant and manipulator so how do i put those two things together and at first it was like well i'm just gonna take take what i like of the yoga and i'm not going to relate it back to him at all i'm not going to say yogi bhajan says this or anything like that so i kept that way for a while but then someone contacted me who was abused as a child. And she told me her whole story and how it has affected her as an adult and how it has really almost ruined her, her life. And when I was finished with that, I felt numb. I actually took notes because I wanted to remember what she was saying. And I just sat there and I just knew that I could have nothing at all to do with Kundalini yoga now. And that's, so I called together all of the trainers and I yeah. said, you all don't have the same relationship as I do. And so yeah. I understand that some of you have found Kundalini yoga without Yogi Bhajan, without having any relationship to Yogi Bhajan and you love it and it helps you. I am not gonna make any dictates here. I know that yeah. I am not going to include Kundalini Yoga when I teach Radiant Child, but I'm not saying that you cannot because right. I honor that everybody has their own relationship to this. And so that's the way we left it within Radiant Child. In the actual manual itself, it does have a few references to Kundalini Yoga that are the that this is a kundalini yoga practice or satanama which is like a famous yeah. you know and they've done studies on that yeah. and yeah it helps your memory yeah. and all of that so i'd say that there's still a little bit in there but there's definitely no you know it's definitely as we call it a guru free zone yeah. <laughs> you know it doesn't have yeah. any of that and um and i'm pretty okay with where it's at 
Um, but I am working with this young woman and her and I are, are friends and we talk on the phone and I actually started a GoFundMe page for her mm -hmm. because so much therapy has taken up so much of her money <laughs> and yes. um you know yeah. so yeah. there there's that too so yeah. in you know i feel like i want to help make things right i mean i was so involved in children the whole i was called mrs rogers of 3ho because yeah. i worked at the children's camps and yeah. i we raised some children ourselves for periods mm. of time and i was so involved with children and and yet you know, so I th like that crossed the line for me. I couldn't tolerate. I couldn't tolerate that. There was no way that I was going to be able to tolerate that. And uh, so that's that's where my husband teaches Kundalini Yoga. He just he just does this his own way now, and he feels yeah. more freedom to bring in other things. Yeah. So that's him, and this is me, and yeah. that's how it is. And when did you officially change your name or release the Shakta piece? What was that process like? Well. For a long time, I was thinking of changing Khalsa because I am no longer a Khalsa. I, I don't yeah. relate to that as my yeah. path. Yeah. And I was going to keep Shakta. But then when all this came out of Yogi Bhajan, I just, I thought there were two things. One was sort of like, uh, I was pushing it away a bit. Like, yeah. I don't want that name. He gave me that name. But I think beyond that, it was my neutral mind felt that he was, um, that phase of my life was over and that name reflected it in in a way one third of my life was my birth name april ann myers okay and then one third of my life was shakta karkasa and and then for about the past 10 years i've been wanting to change my name but didn't take it on so this last third of my life i just took a name that i like and what i did <laughs> what i did was uh, my, what I did was my my grandmother on my mother's side, she was the only person who really got me as a child. I was always different from everyone and she mm -hmm. got me and she was my support and her maiden name was Reed. And I liked it because it was short and simple. I was tired of having a name. Nobody could pronounce <laughs> it. Everybody was asking me about. And then my sister, she calls me April. And she asked me if I would put that in somewhere. Oh. And I said, okay, I'll put it in the middle. I, I don't exactly feel like that now. So I didn't yeah. want it like yeah. my, my first name, but I don't mind the name. Her daughters call me that, you know, mm. her, I'm, I'm their aunt. And, uh, and then the first name, this is really weird how that one came about. So I write these get out the vote postcards, thousands yeah. of them. And I don't, we didn't want to write my name. So I started writing anything, like sign them anything I wanted. And yeah. I started writing Lana, L-A-N-A. -A. Oh, that's nice and short. I like it. Lana Turner was a um, movie yeah. star. Yeah, I like that name. And I, I just <laughs> started signing at that. And then I, when I thought about changing my first name, I was like, oh, you know, I really like Lana. I'm just going to do that. And I don't care if people call me Lana or Lana. I don't, yeah. I don't mind how it's pronounced. I think in my mind, because I'm from Pittsburgh, I have Lana. a Pittsburgh yeah. accent. It's like Lana, yeah. <laughs> but I don't mind. I don't care. And so that's how the name came to be. And it's I just got my social security card mm. last week. So now begins the process of changing everything, everything. credit cards, yeah. 
uh, my driver's license and go to the bank and but it's okay I'm yeah. I'm giving it this year to make a transition Beautiful. the whole year I don't yeah. care if people call me Shakta that yeah. I sometimes don't even notice what they call me if they called me yeah. Dr. Lana or whatever yeah. we're all just getting used to it so that's that yeah. I'm so interested in this idea of what do we do with the teachings when the teacher is abusive or corrupt? I mean, because at this point now, so many of the lineages that I have loved that have been so such a path of my like healing and wholeness um, have this abuse and disruption. It's so painful. I, I think about this all the time. What does integrity look like? What does discernment look like? What do we do? I mean, when when this came up with Shambhala um, after the Ashtanga, you know, it had happened in Ashtanga and happened in, in Shambhala. And it just, I just felt like so uprooted. And I just, I like immediately got all my Shambhala publication books and put them in free libraries and gave them away. Like I needed them out of the house. Um, and so I have the tendency to just throw everything out. And then I'm just like, wh where do we land with some of these amazing teachings? Like, Satanama. I mean, it's such a part of my pregnancy of little Om yoga. I mean, it was such a part of raising my children. It's been such a beautiful connection. So like, where are you with all of that? The teachers and the teachings and the gifts, but then the human that brought it forward yes. has the shadow. What, what I see people doing who want to stick with it is they're finding other reasons for it. They're finding more ancient reasons for it, mm. or they're, for example, we are offering a course about how the Chinese meridians work mm. with yoga, and it's mostly Kundalini yoga. Yeah. So people are finding other reasons when yeah. they want to continue it. Um, I see my husband doing that to some degree, and I also see him freeing himself up to add in things he wants and, and mix it up a little bit. Yeah. And for me, I have taught very little Kundalini yoga since this time, but I taught a women's yoga mm -hmm. class and it's based on my women's yoga book mm -hmm. and it has mm -hmm. Kundalini oh, yoga in it. Book. Yeah. So, so what I did yeah. was I just felt it. I felt it. What feels okay yeah. to yeah. do? It's mostly how yeah. it feels. Yeah. And it felt okay to me to do Satanama. What I told people was, because it was all on video and I didn't even know these people. I didn't know if they would like to say a mantra. So I just yeah. said, you can either say these sounds. And I said what they mean. It's like the circle of life, yeah. infinity, yeah. life, death, rebirth, or you can just breathe with it. Yeah. And I just said that. Now, if I was a real Kundalini Yogi, I would never say you can just breathe with it. Right. So right. I, I'm kind of, right. I, I kind right. of give space to it. There was, there's a cool yoga set that I like a lot, but there were some parts of it that were moving too fast. And I thought, Oh, this doesn't work for my knees. I'm just going to slow the whole thing down. Beautiful. And even I'm, I yeah. might even leave this part out and yeah. it's, you're supposed to chant hard, hard, hard. And I was like, well, ha in, cause I teach Qigong. Ha is yeah. the heart sound. Yeah. We can do ha. Or we can just breathe or yeah. they, if they want to do harder, fine. So I was sort of giving a lot more space when I was teaching mm, anything yeah. it had Kundalini yeah. yoga, according to how it felt for me. Yeah. 
so I, I, I think it has, to, it has to go by how you feel. And there are some things I just will not teach because they remind me too much yeah. of the sort of macho kundalini yoga yeah. style. Yeah. You know, arms up, fingers yeah. up, breath yeah. of fire, keep up. You know, it's yeah. like, no, yeah. that is, yeah, that hasn't been my style for a while. But now I'm like, really, I find it really repulsive. And maybe some other yeah. people don't. You know, what's so interesting. I just want to loop back to something you said earlier on the what if game. I always love, yeah. like, I think of it as what if up. So it's like, instead of what if like down or what if negative, it's like, what if up, like, what if it like lifts you up or what if the thing, yeah. and you know what? I just, since we're talking the dismantling and the destruction of the abuse in a lot of the lineage that I loved for so long actually brought me home to my Judaism. Because I was releasing those identities and like noticing and discerning, but I'm so, I long for ritual and ceremony and singing and dancing. Like that's just in my bones. I was able to turn towards Judaism, which is my lineage and path and go home to her and find her. And so like my, what if up for the dismantling and the, and the heartbreak of that um, I have a lot of kapha, so I like to hold on to the sadness and weep and be like, but there was the good old days, you know, but like <laughs> releasing that to be like, but I found this feminine form, Kohenit Judaism, where I'm Shamira and I get to like weave oh, my yeah. priestessing and like wow. that is, so thank you for that, like looping all of that because it's. I got a feeling about that sh- when you said Shamira. Woo. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. So. You named Abraham uh, Bashar, is that? Bashar. Bashar. Yeah. Byron Katie. Um, Eckhart Tolle. Eckhart Tolle and 3HO, which have all in the past year had a lot of alignment with uh, conspiracy theories. Oh, really? And <laughs> See, I'm, I'm out of touch QAnon with that. and even Eckhart Tolle. Oh, um, I would not so much because you, you, if that's about presence, not so much him personally, but he is thrown into people who follow him are in that. And so what I really want to hone in on in this last part of our chat is this activism, you still seem extremely grounded in reality around (laughs) racism and activism as a real thing. And a lot of the teachers that you name that you follow have students who are saying those things are not real. So I really need to hear because you are so interesting that you're not um, sharing QAnon related information. Uh, Well, let's see. I am a very practical minded person and I see racism (laughs) and I'm very, I, I don't get I, I think we have to really pay attention to what our mind is doing. If our mind is is latching on to some of these conspiracy things, I would use some of the tools that I have. Like, I, I'm just trying to, to think of how that is for me. Mm-hmm. Um, what inside of me is making it so I think this could be accurate. What Mm. inside of me is making me think that Democrats um, are pedophiles? Uh, Then I question that, and that is actually 
in some ways, Byron Katie's work. So I don't mm. see how it got so twisted. But um, to me, it, it's, it's all about being present to myself, noticing sensations, understanding that I do have true guidance. I know what it feels like. And I know when it's fake guidance or not even, it, it has a little feel to me like, uh, like uh, that's not quite right. Nah, that can't be it. Go deeper. What is happening here? What insecurity do I have that's making me think this is true? Uh, there's, when people don't know themselves, they latch on to things. You know, I think it's a lot of that is going on and they might have a big fuss about what I'm saying, but that's to me is, is, is where it's at. Because if I truly go to a place inside of myself where I know and feel, and I have that inner sense of knowing it has integrity. Integrity mm -hmm. means it works. It works. It works in the world. It works. If, if I feel like I'm white and um, and I um, have a friend who is black and I don't go enough into understanding her experience of life, then that doesn't have integrity. You know, so to me, it's it's partly common sense. And I think so many people are not getting well. OK, so the, the whole mask thing, like. I have friends on on um, who are question who question the mm -hmm. mask mm -hmm. wearing a mask mm -hmm. well that's common sense the mask is going to help me to not mm -hmm. spread and i've even seen videos where they are in a science laboratory and they show these aerosol particles mm -hmm. that happen between people mm -hmm. so somebody could say oh well that's fake news well goodness we we know their science we know that every, you know we know these things exist and and so if i wear a mask i'm protecting the other person and i'm also hopefully protecting me too and if i stay far enough away from them that makes sense too so uh i i just feel like um i don't want to get into a conspiracy theory about this but they all kind of fit together all of their mm. things sort of fit together in a way that's not very empowering to anyone not even the person thinking them they mm. might think that they're being empowered but it doesn't feel empowered it mm. feels like i'm only empowered if i push against that person and my activism sometimes it's easy to get into that too yeah. where it's yeah. like an us against them thing yeah you know, yeah. and yeah. I have felt that because, as I said, I my MO oftentimes is uh, anger, anger, yeah. you know, yeah, it's not grief and it's not yeah. sadness. It's not yeah. depression. So yeah. um, when I go into something like that, I know I'm not really balanced. So if mm -hmm. I go like, oh, those damn Trump supporters. Yeah, that, right, right. You know, I sometimes I have to just get it out that way. Yeah. But I know yeah. that that's not really where I want to be at. I, I yeah. would like to be able to say hello to my neighbor who yeah. has a big Trump sign in front yeah. of their house. And yeah. I do sometimes, but I have to work with that within myself. Yeah. So, but I don't really feel it like an us against them. I feel like they'll always going to be some people who have these other ways of looking at things. And that's just yeah. part of life. And I'm not yeah. going to try to convert yeah. people. But what I want to do is make good things happen in our country. And I do feel like yeah. 
if good things happen for some of the people that are in the QAnon, maybe they'll see that Sorry, good things are happening for them. What you said. Yeah. Oh, oh did, did it's something okay. happen? No, oh, it's okay. okay. It was like a Siri thing. She jumped in. She said, Sorry, I didn't hear what you said. So we know that goddess energy is with us because she wants to say, I'm sorry, repeat that, please. <laughs> Very good. I love it. Very you good. know? Yeah. I mean, I think I just want to really name that I have seen a lot of bypass in using spirituality as a way to bypass some of the realities of the human experience at that we are also having. And I, it, I don't see a difference between justice and spirituality, like the intersection of it for me, if we're elevating humanity and kindness and compassion for me, it's so looped in. And so it's really hard for me to separate that, but I don't see that necessarily being sort of the norm in the mainstream. I'm seeing more and more bypass using things like, well, your thoughts create your reality. So you're creating racism, you know, really taking one line of something and then building a whole case rather than doing that essential Let's look at the nuance. Let's look at the history of the humans, like bypassing the human experience. So that's what I just so deeply respect about you is I've just watched you online have that same passion of intersection and not be able to separate it. And I think I'm, I've just noticed um, that not always being the case. I, I agree. Yeah. I I think that uh, when Donald Trump got elected, it uh, served on an on a big level to wake up a lot of people, including me. So if I was going to say there's a positive to that, that's probably what I would say. Um, And um, what I have learned from that is that when I have a lot of fire in me, I can harness that and I can use it for good. Yeah. And so that's been very, very helpful to me. Yeah. And when I, um, and I can look back at my faulty thinking from before, which was, oh, okay, I, we don't have to have anything to do with politics because, Mm. you know, it'll, it'll all work itself out. Who cares? Whatever. Mm. Um, you know, I was a little more like that, even though I always voted, I never did anything more than that. But now I, I see that, oh, we actually yeah. can make a difference. Yeah. And we in, in Northern Virginia, in our yeah. VA 10, we, that was a real authentic show for me of mm-hmm. how it works mm-hmm. because we had Barbara Comstock. Mm-hmm. She voted 97% of the time with Trump. Mm-hmm. We would uh, every Tuesday do a protest in front of her office out on route seven. We would go to her office and ask questions. We would we basically harassed her yeah. out of office. Of course, it, we didn't do it yeah. all, but yeah. we helped, you know, yeah. and that's why I love Indivisible. And I, I wanted more people yeah. who feel helpless to yeah. to know about that and to know that there's an organized way we can work yeah. together. And I feel very happy in it. And so when yeah. I feel a, a true happiness, yeah. like yeah. something's being done and accomplished, 
I know I'm on the right path. Yeah. But if I'm just in QAnon and I'm saying like, oh, those Democrats are like pedophiles <laughs> yeah. and things, I don't think that makes me feel very much happiness. Maybe uh, I feel self-righteous. Yeah. Maybe I feel like it's us against them, but it's not like a true feeling mm. of integrity and happiness. So mm. I think it's all depends on deep present moment awareness and not fooling ourselves. So beautiful. Yeah. Um, okay. Um, Lana, <laughs> what are you offering now? Where can people find you? I just had an idea. I'm going to run by you and you'll see how it feels. Cause I heard you say you're teaching something called happily ever now. Yes. And I want to hear more about that. And I'm hoping that at some point, maybe you'll teach that for our community and that we can, we can join that. Um, oh, Cause that has been to. something our community has been asking for is kind of um, it's so funny. This came up. We had someone last week on talking about developmental aging um, and like the stages of adult development. And she said, you all need to find an elder in your community. Who's had a long marriage and have her teach a class for you on how to move through the stages. And then this week mm. you just said, I'm teaching something called happily ever now. And I was like, ding, ding, ding. Ah, So anyway, so tell everyone who's listening where they can find you, what you're offering and how they can learn from you. Well, we're all online now, which is fine. It's actually working out great. And we, um, the happily ever now, I'll just start with that. It's, um, it's a class that I put together out of my own joy of the changes that happened for me between around 2001 and 2008 mm-hmm. and all the the um, materials and helper teachers that I use and when I say teachers most of them are things I learned from books but yeah. not all yeah. and um, and it's like it's always now so how can we be happily in this ever now mm-hmm. and I don't mean happily in a fake way like <laughs> yeah. like um, yeah oh, we're not going to look at this because that doesn't make me happy. No, yeah. it makes you happy if you look at what you don't like yeah. and you really allow it yeah. to speak to you. Mm-hmm. That will bring you happiness, not pushing it away and say, oh, no, I need to be happy yeah. now. Yeah. Let me do my positive affirmations. Yeah. That's not happily yeah. ever yeah. now. And so this this work is about being present to ourselves and mm-hmm. um really, truly having integrity with that. Um, So um, I love that course. It's my favorite one to teach. It's coming up uh, online in April. And it's part of our family yoga series, which uh, now Radiant Child is. um, What happened with Radiant Child was we we work with children, but then we saw that we were actually working with the adults. So we started working with the adults in a more deep way, either Mm -hmm. their teachers or they were parents or whatever. And now we have a whole 200 hour that's focused on uh, babies all the way through elders. So it's, it's a way of, it's for everyone in the family. And so that series is online now every single month. And the nice thing is you don't have to be in our 200 hour. You can just take a work, take it as a workshop. You You can take And we have one for ADHD, which is very, very well done. I've learned a lot from my um, trainers and especially a lot from the ones who are OTs and PTs. Um, Really beautiful, tremendous amount of, um, crossover between the yoga, the mindfulness mm-hmm. and the OTPT mm-hmm. things. 
Mm-hmm. So, and it's all at radiantchild.com. Oh yeah. It's uh, you can put radiant child in, but my actual name of the website is childrensyoga.com. Oh, right. And I also want to mention, I will have a new website soon. I'm very excited about because I'm in my elder years now and I'm retired, semi-retired. And, <laughs> um, and I have a new website called Poetry Movement. Mm. And it's um, all the poetry that I've written since the 70s. I've mm. been writing poetry off and on. And it will also have um, Qigong. Qigong is my new love. I teach Qigong every Wednesday night online and um families can come at a very discounted rate and it's already a very low rate but uh, the reason Mm -hmm. why families can come cheaper is because i want to learn what teens and preteens like about qigong and so i'm encouraging preteens and teens to come uh Mm -hmm. to that and and so i'm excited about my new website and um and i am uh just uh, the spotlights on the trainers now. They're teaching yeah. quite a lot of the, yeah. um, the trainers. And you have amazing teachers. I mean, uh, I know. they all I'm used so to come blessed. to the National Kids Yoga Conference, and I've yeah. become friends with so many of them. And what an incredible, you really attract the most amazing, amazing humans who are br- continuing to bring forth your work and create. So I, really I, I am you. very blessed that way. And I've, I've yeah. learned something about how to do that. There's a there's a way of going inside and feeling what the mm. vibration of the work is, the mm. energy of the work is, and then imagining that those that are on that wavelength will find it mm. because of the, that. So it's tuning in, in in a deep way to this, the wavelength of it, the the energy of it, and then just trusting that that people who are on that wavelength, we'll find it. And we, we work with the trainers all work that way with it. And we all work that way with bringing people in who are the right people. So <laughs> this was so much fun. Thank you so much it was for so all much of your wisdom. Oh, I just could Thank sit you. and like, keep talking. And <laughs> I feel I've been drawn in. I'm, I circled Qigong Wednesdays with my, with my almost teenager. And I just feel like here's to many more collaborations and creations. I can't wait to check, check out poetry movement and you are just such a gift. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much, mm-hmm. Pleasance. I, I, I love speaking with you. We're mm-hmm. on the wavelength. Honestly. <laughs> Thank <laughs> you.